keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Glory to God in the highest. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. My name is Rudy Carlos. I'm filling in for Joe McClain, who's off on vacation for another week or so. And it's very good to be here with you in the morning. I am uh, joined here with our team, Adrian Fonseca, and our good friend, uh, Jesus Robles. And it's going to be a great show today. I have some uh, interesting stuff here that uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022, and this is the feast day of Saints Irene and Bertilla Boscardin. And uh, today on the show, at 35 past the hour, we're going to have a wonderful conversation with a producer of a a documentary film that uh, we we watched just recently. We're going to have Don Johnson on. He's a Catholic filmmaker, a public speaker, and fellow radio personality. And he's going to come on to discuss his uh, documentary, Disconnected. You know, there's a, a tsunami, and it's sweeping the nation. It's completely overtaking the medical, educational, and counseling industries and forever altering hundreds of thousands of young girls' lives. And that happens to be this trend to push young girls into transitioning to uh, different genders, so they could transition into being a male, transition to being somewhere in between. And so he's going to come on and discuss this uh, wonderful documentary. It's a a very sobering thing to talk about, Uh, but his documentary chronicles three different detransitioners, and it tells their story quite wonderfully. So we're going to ask him how this happened, and uh, is there any sort of hope at the end of the tunnel here? Uh, we're seeing just really the destruction of, of uh, our culture. So we're going to have that conversation at 35 past the hour, and at 15 past the hour at our What's Concerning Us segment, we're going to talk about a major survey. And what does that major survey say? It says that, uh, yeah, your priest, uh, he's a little burnt out. So you might want to ease off of him a little bit. You know, maybe maybe don't have him come over to the donuts so, so often. Maybe he needs a little break. Okay. And then also we're going to have Hector Molina, and he's going to call in to break open the scriptures for this Sunday's Mass. You're going to be the smartest person at the parish when you uh, when you understand the the scripture for this weekend. So you don't want to miss that. But in any case, uh, it's wonderful to be here, and uh, good morning to you, Mr. Jesus Robles. This is great. I'm excited. This is awesome. Yes, it's another <laughs> morning, and it's great. It's so great. We're alive, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Amen, we're brother. Yes, Does that count? It, it, counts it counts greatly. And, you know, I feel oh. I feel a little disconnected here. Yeah, nobody presented me. Nobody announced who's me. Who's the other person in the in the room who's speaking right now? Well, I'm supposed to be like Joe McLean, you know. I'm like <laughs> I'm as old as he is, you know, and, and everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm his replacement actually. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah, is that yeah, is that Policicho? Mister Policicho. Yeah, Policicho. I am the puppet behind the pulpit, and I'm right here just having a good time. And of course, speaking about somebody that's disconnected is my friend right here, um, Adrian Fonseca. How are you? I am doing great. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. And, you know, today is such a good day to be alive. It we is. Have, the sun is about to come out. We, the weather is amazing here in Houston. I don't know how what the weather is where you're at, but where <laughs> we are today, I got out of bed, and I got to put on a sweater. I walked outside, and I said, wow, 
God chose good today. Yeah, we got friends over there in, in the northwest, in the northeast of the United States, and, and I hear the weather's so beautiful over there. You know, Amen. just fresh and everything. I'm hoping the weather will stay exactly the way yeah. it is right now, though I'm, I have a fear that it might get a little bit hotter. And, you know, <laughs> uh, pray for all the intentions of, uh, of the GRN listeners today. Uh, we are going to be praying for those intentions in just a second. But praise be to God, it is a good day. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation conversation we're about to have at 35 past the hour because i really think transgenderism really is the tip of the spear of the cultural war today there's so so sad situation exactly. so i'm glad we're going to be having this conversation amen that's 35 past the hour with don johnson make sure to stick around until then and uh, let's dive in and just pray for all of your holy intentions the intentions of the the grn and for the conversion of sinners everywhere okay Let's not forget those holy souls in purgatory. Let's pray now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now your breaking news for today. Today is, thank you very much. Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022, and here are headlines. Ground News reports Ukraine accuses Iran of violating UN ban on drone transfers. Ukraine has accused Iran of violating a UN Security Council ban on the transfer of drones capable of flying 300 kilometers and invited UN experts to visit the country to inspect Iranian-origin drones being used by Russia against civilian targets. The Hill reports remote work likely contributed, contributed to a mini-baby boom last year, economists say. Authors of this study found that the COVID-19 pandemic led to a net increase of 46,000 children born to U.S. mothers, which was the result of both a small increase in births among U.S.-born mothers in 2020 and so-called baby, uh, so baby bump in 2021. Those births caused the nation's fertility rate to jump about 6.3% compared to pre-pandemic trends, the paper notes, and was enough of an increase to offset two years of declining fertility rates. The New York Post reports Massachusetts beekeeper unleashes angry swarm on cops to stop local residents' eviction. Jesus, what would you do in this situation? Run. <laughs> a Massachusetts woman suited up in full beekeeper garb to unleash a swarm of angry bees on police as they tried to evict a longtime local resident, according to cops who arrested her. Beekeeper Rory Woods of Hadley allegedly turned her hives into weapons outside the $1.5 million home of Alton King Jr. in Springfield, where demonstrators had gathered to protest his eviction on October 12th. Several cops were allergic, to, uh, allergic and one had to retreat after she was stung in the face, according to Sheriff Daniel Soto. And the post-millennial reports, ABC News investigative producer disappears after an FBI raid and he was working on a book about Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal. An award-winning ABC News national security investigative producer has seemingly gone missing following an FBI raid on his home in April for unclear reasons. James Gordon Meek was in the process of writing a book on the Biden administration's controversial withdrawal from Afghanistan when his neighbors spotted armored vehicles outside of his home, and he hasn't been heard from since. According to a neighbor who lived on the same floor, Meek also has two daughters who were living with him, 
and it's unclear what happened to them as well, as his apartment is reportedly now vacant. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The Saints of the Day, yes, you heard that right, Saints of the Day, is Blessed Francis Serrano and Francis Diaz O.P., Blessed Francis Serrano and Franz Diaz were born in Spain. These Spanish-born Dominican missionaries were sent to Fulcan and China after 20 years of work in China, which is in what area is now Vietnam. Serrano had been arrested with Blessed Bishop Peter Sands in 1646. While in prison, he was elected titular bishop of Tipasa. After the beheading of Sanz on May 25, 1747, Serrano was a resourceful, careful person, which one would have to be to survive in such harsh conditions. He became adept at scaling walls and hiding in unlikely places. Father Diaz was born in Echisha in 1713. He always claimed that he owed his vocation to having skipped school one day. A white-robed religious appeared to him, a Dominican. The curious boy continued to ask questions about the order until he convinced himself that he must join. Even though his father tried to persuade his, him to accept a family benefice instead of entering the austere life of the order of preachers, he persisted. He was determined to serve God as a Dominican and to die in China. He preached the gospel in Tonkin for eight years before his death. Father Alo Caber and Serrano and Diaz were captured and tortured to reveal the whereabouts of Bishop Sands. Despite horrendous punishment, they refused to say anything. Father Joachim Royal and Bishop Sands, wishing to spare his brother's further suffering, surrendered themselves to the authorities. The five Dominicans, as well as a native catechist named Ambrose Coy, were dragged before the emperor in chains. Again, they were tortured, then sentenced to death in December of 1746. After the bishop's death, the other four priests were branded on their faces with the word Tadao, or false religion, They and left for six months to languish in prison. Serrano Diaz and the other two Dominican priests were strangled at night in prison at Futechejo in order to end their evangelizing of the guards and the soldiers. When the executioners returned the following morning to dispose of their bodies, they were terrified to see their beatific faces that shone with an unearthly radiance, especially miraculous considering that they died of strangulation. The, the relics were preserved and treasured by the Christians in the Benedictines, the Benedictines of Dorsey. They died in 1748, and they were beatified by Leo XIII in 1893. Blessed Francis Serrano and Francis Diaz and all the Dominican martyrs in China, pray for us. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of this day comes from Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on this earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. A father will be divided against his son and his son against his father, and a mother against her daughter, and a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, 
and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this comes from the book of Hadok here in the Bible. Uh, it says, I, I have come to send fire on the earth. By this fire, some understand as the light of the gospel and by the fire of charity and divine love. Others see this as a fire of trials and persecution. What is the fire which Christ comes uh, to send upon the earth? Some understand it as the Holy Ghost of the doctrine of the gospel or the preaching of the apostles, which has filled the world with fervor and with light, and which was signified by the flames of fire which appeared in the descent of the Holy Ghost upon the apostles in the day of Pentecost. My words, says the Lord in Jeremiah's, are as fire, as a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Others understand this fire as a fire of charity, which Christ came to enkindle upon the earth, and which the apostles carried through the whole, the entire world. But the most simple and literal opinion seems to be a fire of persecution and war. Yes, fire is often used in the scripture for war. And our Savior declares that he has come to bring the sword and not peace. That is, the doctrine of the gospel shall cause division and bring persecutions and almost an infinity of other evils upon those who shall embrace and maintain it. But it is by these means that Heaven must be acquired. It, it, it is thus that Jesus Christ destroys the reign of Satan and overturns idolatry, superstition, and error in the world. So great, a, so great a change could not be made without any noise, without tumult or fire and war. What does it mean to be on fire for Jesus? It means to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives by sharing in the, in the living teaching of Jesus. Let us take, for example, in the book of Acts during Pentecost, our, our Blessed Lady, Blessed Mother, uh, some women that, that were there in, with the apostles in the upper room, they witness this fire descend upon them. And then what happens after that? We see the courage that comes into the apostles and then they go out and they preach the word. They preach it with zealousness. They preach it knowing that it may bring death to them. Now, one day there was a, a, a uh, Dominican that, that was asked to do something. Blessed Alan was saying mass. Our Lord, who wished to spur him into preaching the Holy Rosary, spoke to him in, sac in, 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 the, in the sacred host. How can, you, how can you crucify me again so soon, said the Lord. What did you say, Lord? Asked Blessed Alan, horrified, crucified me once before your sins, answered Jesus, and I would be, and I would willingly be crucified again rather than have my father offend by the sins you, you used to commit. Our Lord was calling him to go out and to preach the rosary. He was calling him. This is our time, brothers and sisters. Let's be full of the Holy Spirit and fire so we can go out and preach just like Blessed Alan was asked. Stick around. We're going to have another segment really important here. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge. 
knowledge, in which case it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Rudy Carlos here, and I'm joined by Adrian Fonseca and uh, Mr. Jesus Robles. And there's a lot of news circulating around there. All right, it's uh, it's hard to pick sometimes <laughs> through all these different news stories which ones to uh, present to you. Uh, we always pick the ones that are uh, most prudent to to present those things that uh, that really affect you from day to day. But here's a here's a, a news headline I found uh, pretty concerning, and I, I think you're going to find it concerning too. This one is from the Catholic News Agency, and the headline goes: A major survey of Catholic priests finds trust issues, burnout, and fear of false allegations. Majority survey. I mean, a major survey. I'm not sure if it's the majority, but uh, quite a few people have said this now. And uh, let's let's read a little bit about this article here, and we'll just expound on it a little bit here. A study that claims to be the largest national survey of Catholic priests conducted in more than 50 years has found that despite relatively high levels of personal well-being and fulfillment among priests as a whole, a significant percentage of priests have issues with burnout, distrust in their bishop, and fears of being falsely accused of misconduct. Conducted by the Catholic Project, a research group at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., the study released on October 19th press conference used survey responses from 3,516 priests across 191 dioceses and uh, eparchies, I've never heard that before, in the United States. The study also draws on in-depth interviews with about 100 of those priests and a survey of U.S. bishops, 131 of whom, or about two-thirds of the total, responded. So this is quite a, a large grouping here of this, uh, this survey. The study is framed in part in the context of the landmark tw uh, 2002 norms known as the Dallas Charter that came in response to clergy sex abuse scandals in the U.S. Two decades after the impl implementation of the Dallas Charter, priests in the United States remain supportive of its core policies and confident in the church's effectiveness at safeguarding the vulnerable, the report states adding that American Catholic priests continue to demonstrate that they are flourishing in their vocations. It notes, however, this is good news. The good news is tempered by concerning indications of burnout among younger priests, a lack of confidence in existing due process protections for priests accused of misconduct, and a corresponding lack of trust in bishops who have come to be seen as less, less as fathers and brothers than as administrators. And I, you know, that really, really strikes at my heart there, you know, for a priest. You know, we consider the priest to be our spiritual fathers, right? 
And the priests, they have the bishop to look for in the same way as their spiritual father. And in this survey, it's revealed that they, most of them don't see their bishop as a father, rather just an administrator, someone in a corporation, you know, pushing buttons, telling you, all right, get that report to me, get that done, go and do this, you know, do this task. That's concerning. That's, it's sad, really. Let's continue here on the, uh, on the article here. It says, a large percentage of the priests and bishops surveyed reported high levels of well-being. 77% of priests and 81% of bishops can be categorized as flourishing based on a measurement called the Harvard Flourishing Index. Priestly formation equips priests with regular practices to cultivate closeness with God and healthy relationships in their community. Praise be to God. Such practices are important contributors to the well-being of priests, the report notes. The high levels of well-being found in this survey contrast with an unrelated recent major survey of priests released in late 2021, which suggests a more pessimistic view of the Catholic Church among U.S. priests today as compared with 2002. That study found that 72.1% of priests in 2002 said that they were very satisfied with their life as a priest, down to 62% saying the same in 2021. So it's quite a, it's almost a 10% decrease there from 2002 to 2021 of priests saying that they are satisfied with their life as a priest. Again, this is very alarming. It's concerning, right? I mean, a priest puts away their life. Uh, a man going into the priesthood puts away his life. He sacrifices it all. For what? Some people, uh, some, some men will go in there for prestige. But I think a majority of the priests go in there for the salvation of souls. And for them to, uh, to, to say that uh, 40% of them are basically unsatisfied with their life of a priest, that's uh, getting close to half of the priests there. I mean, that's concerning, right? The Catholic Project's findings acknowledge that priests are under strain, however. Among priests, a very real, uh, among priests, very real professions of contentment and fulfillment in our interviews, we found ample evidence of their challenges and stresses. Some of these stressors contribute to burnout in priestly ministry, the report states. And I think that is very accurate. You know, when we look at the structure of the suburban parish, I mean, just here in Houston, uh, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of parishes. I mean, as I uh, drive around the city, I run into literally more oh. than I can count. And I think to myself sometimes, you know, how full are these churches? You know, a lot of them are packed to the gills. And they only have one priest per, you know, like several hundred uh, parishioners. The burnout can be completely real in that situation. I, in fact, in California... You know, I, I participated in a, a parish, and when I say participated, I, I mean I was really involved. I was involved in several ministries that I was leading. Uh, I was uh, participating in different ministries as well. And uh, I got to know the priest really well. You know, we became friends, and uh, I, I spent a lot of time with this priest. And I realized that this is real. This is really happening. I mean, the, the priest had maybe four or 500 parishioners. Mm -hmm. But he was being stretched really, really thin. And I think, I think about that a lot sometimes. I think about these, these parishes that are packed. And I wonder if they could benefit from them coming together, coalescing, becoming a larger parish that is more fruitful for the diocese. I mean, you know, a lot of people coming together. 
the priests are coming together. They're yeah. sharing their responsibilities. They uh, they then have that that community because priests they 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 have to connect with their parish, right? Yep. But at the same time, they they are set aside. They're set apart from from us. We're mm -hmm. we're we're the parishioners. We're the lady, and and they're set aside. Yes. I mean, they're the the the, the priest. Yes. Yes. The, the sacrificer, right? You, you know, the, the the only issue with that about uh, uh, kind of merging the churches and the priests together, it, you take that. Uh, element of of having that uh, more personal touch in the neighborhood in my neighborhood i got mm. three churches right in, within a four mile radius and they're always packed and, and like you mentioned there's only one priest serving five masses on a sunday some yeah. ch some churches have like seven or eight masses in in one day and the burnout is real and and some of us don't think about all the other work uh, rudy and adrian that that these uh priests have to do they're, they're <laughs> not only the priests but they're like the Manager of the entire administrator of the entire yeah. building, they have to know everything that goes on in that building. Every person that gets hired in that church has to be vetted through the priest. Mm -hmm. The priest has to know the connections. He has to know where the computers. He has to know how to move the buttons when when something goes off up there because the volunteer yeah. didn't show up. The priest has to know everything. And then during the week, there's so much ministry going on that he oh, has yeah. to oversee. You know the prayer groups. Yeah, you got to make sure mm -hmm. that that you don't allow somebody that go out to, to go out there and be a uh, preaching in these in these uh, Wednesday services. Uh, you know uh, these these uh, 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 ladies. You know, there's uh -huh. a there's a really good here's a here's a suggestion sure. that I might make to priests who are who are in these kind of situations because mm -hmm. yeah, this is. I mean, God did, created us for community, right? God yeah. created us to have fellowship with one another. So sure. uh, priests give up, and same thing with nuns and sisters. They give up the married life for the sake of the kingdom of God, but they're not giving up fellowship. At least they shouldn't. Mm. And so ideally, in the in a ideal circumstance, in your diocese, you would have several priests at every parish. But because exactly of the vocation right. crisis, we don't have that. So here is a suggestion that I can make to, if you know a priest, if you are a priest who are listening, you can create small oratories. And this mm -hmm. is a legitimate thing that you can do in your diocese. You just need permission from your bishop. And get several priests together that you have fellowship with and live together in community. Yes. And then you go outward to your parishes to help out day-to-day -day work. Mm -hmm. Maybe you live 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes from your parish, and you drive out to your parish, and then you come back so you can pray the office in community. You can have meals with exactly. people who are of the same vocation as you. You don't have to, because it's good to meet with your mm -hmm. parishioners. It's good to have mm -hmm. dinner with your parishioners, with the laity, but also you need community with someone who understands what you're going through, understands your oh, situation. Exactly. And even if you're saying, okay, I can't do the whole oratory thing because of this out of the other reason, at the very least, become closer friends with your fellow priests. I know yeah. some priests in Houston who now get together once a month or so and have dinner together and have fellowship together. And I know other priests who said, we never did this. We didn't, like, this wasn't a thing. We're an island unto ourselves yeah. in our parish. That's not healthy. And exactly. I highly recommend that. I think that's, I mean, that's a major contributor to this burnout for sure. You know, this, because, you know, what I was saying is, these people are set aside. These these priests are set aside. Yeah. Okay. And there needs to be a professional boundary between the lady and the priest. Well, what does that what does that effect have on the priest? It, it it has the effect that they feel isolated. Oh yeah. And so when I suggest you know we we merge the parishes a little bit, it's exactly for that very reason, Adrian, to create an oratory of sorts where more priests are together and they have that fellowship that they need, that that they can commiserate on on the what's going on. 
you know, and, and they can uh, they get together uh, for meals and things like that. That's very important for a priest, you know, because they oftentimes feel very isolated. And, uh, you know, to speak about uh, bishops, you know, you, you should probably ask uh, your, your bishop's permission on that, obviously. But uh, on the topic of bishops, the article concludes and it says, you know, there's trust issues with the bishops, which is uh, a really disheartening thing to read. And the article continues to say, Turning on the topic of trust, the report states that on average, 49% of diocesan priests overall today express confidence in their bishop. Levels of trust varied considerably across dioceses, and the data shows that the level of trust was down from 63% in 2001, the year before the sexual abuse crisis, which included many revelations of bishops mishandling abuse cases and exploded in the U.S. Diocesan priests report significantly lower levels of trust in their bishops than religious priests who do, uh, who do in their major superiors. Trust in the U.S. bishops as a whole is now low among priests overall, mm-hmm. with only about 24% expressing confidence in the leadership and decision-making of the bishops in general, the report says. I mean, this is a, this is a crisis here. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I, I can see that happening because they have to tighten up uh, yeah. after all that scandal. They have to tighten it up, but they sometimes it's tightened too much towards where you isolate the priests and, and you don't have that relationship anymore with them. It just I, I had the chance to meet Mr. Calloway mm. uh, at that Holy Rosary, and I just I saw he he just got he got in and I mean he, everybody was on him, and uh, you were just trying to say hi or he <laughs> give him a high five and say I got uh, I'll see you later because like, I know you're no busy. More people. He had he, he had this lady that was just clinging onto him and and just wouldn't let him say something. You know she was just talking talking for 15 minutes, realizing that the line was about you know it was about 100 people that wanted to just shake his hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just overwhelming sometimes, really. What priests have to deal uh, with on a daily basis, and there is a burnout. Amen, brother. Yeah. 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 So, what can we do? You know, the the article uh, goes on to talk about the sexual abuse uh, scandals, you know, and and them being afraid of of false accusations and all that stuff. But what's a practical thing you can do for your priests? Well, as a layperson, you can support your priests. You can support them by praying for them. Call them up one day and ask them, "Hey." Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything at all that that I can do for you to take a little bit of that burden for you so that you don't burn out? Consider that today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times, because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. 
If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now a couple more headlines for you. Axios reports Biden and the National Archives sued over unreleased JFK assassination records. A new lawsuit seeks to force the Biden administration and the National Archives to release all remaining government documents about former uh, President John F. Kennedy's assassination. The lawsuit argues that the government hasn't followed through with the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, which Congress passed without dissent in hopes of making JFK's assassination records public by 2017. So we're a little bit off of the uh, target there. Breitbart reports a pregnant firefighter helps car wreck victim before giving birth. A firefighter in Maryland named Megan Warfield was pregnant during a recent car crash that resulted in someone desperately needing her care. Warfield exited her own vehicle to assist with directing traffic at the crash scene, but noticed another car had flipped over. She began crawling to the vehicle to help the woman, but thought twice when she remembered she was nine months pregnant. Therefore, she simply held the woman because she was unsure of her injuries. When more first responders arrived, Warfield knew she needed to get to a hospital because the accident induced her labor. She says, quote, I don't know how I did what I did because the cramping was so bad. And believe me, if you've ever seen a pregnant woman cramping, it is like, it's almost like the world is ending. I mean, you feel it too. At least that, that was me when uh, our first daughter was born. Now, Warfield recalled that when she was speaking about bending down to help the victim trapped in the car. And she noted that adrenaline adrenaline was mo most likely the thing that caused the uh, pregnancy, the, excuse me, that caused a likely role in her helping out this person. The Daily Signal reports, I will take this retaliation. Another Vermont father says the school district is punishing him for speaking out against biological male in girls' locker room. Another Vermont parent had uh, told the Daily Signal that he believes another school district is punishing him for speaking out against a biological male using the girls' locker room. John Helfant is one of the volunteer coaches at the Randolph Union High School uh, for, for girls' varsity soccer team. Now he believes that he has, uh, now he believes that because he spoke out against a biologically male student who identifies as a transgender using the girls' locker room, the school district superintendent is using a technicality to prevent him from continuing to coach the varsity girls soccer team. Now we've seen many stories like this and it begs the question, what really is the driving force for so many children falling into the snare of gender confusion? And uh, to talk about this, we invited Don Johnson, a Catholic filmmaker, Catholic speaker and producer of the Disconnected documentary. And he joins us now via Zoom video. Good morning to you, Mr. Johnson. Thanks for having me. Great, great. Uh, how are things on your end there? I know you're on the Pacific uh, Standard Time. Uh, what, what part of the uh, the, the great uh, Americas are you from? Uh, I'm in Southern California, so oh, I got my it. coffee. It's bright and early, oh, Not quite bright, so but sorry. it's early. So, sorry. <laughs> so we're doing great, though. Uh, I miss California so much. I'm going to be going there uh, back in, uh, well, coming in, in December, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic trip. But you produced this wonderful documentary. We got a chance to watch it here in the studio uh, called Disconnected, and it uh, it follows three different tr detransitioners, and they talk about all of the different things that uh, contributed to them considering even changing their genders. Can you tell us a little bit about this project, and uh, when did it start? 
Yeah, it's sort of a uh, an ongoing thing with me. I, I have uh, three daughters. I got four kids, three of which are girls, and they're all sort of in that teenage realm right now, mm. between uh, like twelve and twenty one. And so for the for many years, I've been sort of dealing with the toxic culture that teenage girls live in. And so my previous film called Unprotected, I got into the sexual revolution and what's causing the sexual objectification of women and, mm. and uh, you know, why we're having problems with like having to deal with sexting, you know, as 12 year olds. But today it's gotten so much crazier. So as a 12 year old, like five, six, seven years ago, you know, we're dealing with the texting thing, but then this trans issue explodes on the scene around 2015. And suddenly girls in large groups are suddenly coming out as first they might come out as gay, then they might come out as trans or non-binary. And not only is it uh, this huge social thing, but it is a um, one in which they come out as trans, but then they get pushed into this industrial complex, the trans industrial complex mm. where they're getting fed uh hormone blockers, followed by cross-sex hormones, followed by surgery as young as 13, 14, 15 years old. Uh, and these are permanently damaging things that we're doing to these girls. And so all, just as a father, like in my community, I'm like, what is going on? This is insane. Started to examine that a little bit. And uh, this project uh, grew out of that. I started to meet girls who went into it, you know, in the big mm -hmm. wave of 2015 and then started have now we see a wave coming out of it. There's a there's a Reddit group that's over 40,000 girls wow. strong right now of detransitioners. So it's um it's a disaster it in really the culture is. and I wanted to to get to the bottom of it. You know, I definitely want to get to the uh the 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 trans industrial complex as you mentioned for sure, but first I you know, one of the things that I found really surprising about the documentary was that it seems to be that uh, that girls really are the majority of the transitioners. How how did the how did that uh, discovery uh, uh, ring in your heart when you found out? Yeah, that's that's one of the big lies. It's like uh, it's presented as this biological thing that we're sort of discovering. You know, for centuries we've been uh, oppressing this group, and now it's socially acceptable, and all these people are coming out as trans. But it's not everybody coming out as trans. Mm -hmm. In fact, historically, it would be you know people people actually have gender dysphoria in a very, very small amount. Like you have discomfort with your body, like 0.03% of young boys, and then a condition in older older men, which is different. Now it's all girls. And this is a brand new phenomenon in the history of the world that I thought, it, it was another indicator for me that this is not, you know, some sort of biological condition. <laughs> this is This is being sold uh, to young, impressionable girls, particularly those who have other factors involved. Um, they're autistic. They have a history of depression. They come out of trauma, these sort of things. Mm. And so the, yeah, the, the fact that it is primarily young girls is an important factor in this and something people need to take into account. This is, this is something that's being targeted to a particular group of uh, particularly vulnerable kids in our society and sometimes uh, we may see that self-esteem plays into this self-esteem how many teenagers don't go through through self-esteem issues 
uh, as they are growing, as they're developing, and all of a sudden uh, they feel that maybe they feel a certain way because they're not identifying themselves as who they are, or somebody calls them a name and they feel less. I I, I remember when I was a, a teenager, I went through a whole lot of self-esteem issues where I where, where I questioned, you know, who who I was as an individual and if I was doing the right thing. How many of us questioned that? on a daily basis but you know when there's a lack of a father or a lack of a mother to guide you and, and take you by the hand you know and, and, and then you have these uh these woke uh people telling you that it might be that that you're not who you are and uh and, and you need to change uh your, your sexual identity it it's uh it, it it just puts the fire in there yeah, I mean, teenage time is uh, an era of your life when you're seeking for identity, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. chaos. You know, yeah. who doesn't go through junior high and think, I don't know who I am today? And historically, we, you know, we would do some silly things when we were young, right? You, yeah. you go through your goth stage or you go through whatever and, yep. and you grow out of it. Um, that, I mean, that is what kids do, but now we're not giving them a chance to grow out of it. We are permanently damaging them. We're mutilating their bodies. We're increasing, uh, the trauma that they're going through, uh, through these, uh, pharmaceutical and, and surgical and, and sociological processes that we're pushing them into. You know, we have about uh, two minutes before we have to go to break, but, uh, you know, one thing that I hear all the time, I go to college campuses and I uh, do a pamphleting against transgender ideology, and one argument, the only real argument I ever get is, you're killing people, you are murdering these children. Um, and I had the, someone just on Tuesday, I was at U of H campus, University of Houston campus, and they were, this older lady came up to me and said, I almost killed myself because of Christians, because of y'all's teachings. Uh, how do you respond to such uh, vitriol? <laughs> well, it's just you got to respond with facts. I mean, the, the fact is that pushing them into the trans-industrial complex increases suicide rates, that it is emotional blackmail. It is a... Uh, a uh, in counseling, we it, tell people how to not use emotional blackmail to get something. When people come into a counselor's office and say, if you don't give me this, I'm going to kill myself, they change that, right? They teach you how to accurately and properly uh, present your needs. Now we're doing it the other way. It's the counselors that are doing this uh, emotional blackmail where we are telling people, oh, you're going to kill yourself if you don't do this. They're telling the parents, you're going to, the kids are going to kill themselves if they don't do this. Absolute lie. You look at the actual data, suicide rates go up. If you look at the proper data, the, the data like from Sweden and Europe, mm. uh, the U.S. is very poor data on this, frankly. But the, the truth is suicide rates go up for transitioners. It doesn't help anything. Uh, Don, you know, in the, in the few seconds here we have before the break, where can people watch this documentary? Uh, you can go to donjohnsonmedia.com. That will give you all the links. So you can uh, order a live stream from uh, my uh, movie site, runawayplanet.com. You can pre-order a DVD, which will be available from Ignatius Press here within days. Nice. Uh, so, But the one-stop shop might be go to donjohnsonmedia.com. It will provide you all the links, uh, the places to go to watch it. Okay, well, we're going to for sure put that in our, our social media accounts right now, and uh, you'll be able to check that out. But don't go away. After this break, we want to talk about this whole medical structure that is presenting these children with a really quick way of changing their their identity and is it really temporary some people say it is but uh, don't go away more catholic drive time after this break
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friendships tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We have Don Johnson from uh, Don Johnson Ministries and uh, also affiliated with Runaway Planet Films. And we're talking about his recent documentary called Disconnected. You could uh, find that documentary on, uh, I believe that was donjohnson.com, uh, Don? Uh, donjohnsonmedia.com Media. or, runaway, or runawayplanet.com will get you to the uh, site as well. Excellent, excellent. So right before the break, you know, we we tease this in military, and it's not military. It, sometimes it feels like that, but uh, this industrial complex that is uh, bombarding parents, right? And sometimes, oftentimes, it's just getting rid of the parent altogether and telling the kids mm -hmm. that this is the way that you have to go. You are actually not the gender that you are. If you're confused, if you're feeling down on yourself, maybe you're actually, if you're a girl, you're a boy. If you're a boy, you're a girl. You talk a little bit about this uh, this uh, this complex that we you mentioned at the at the beginning of the interview. Yeah, it's important to understand uh, for parents and everyone listening that this is not some sort of grassroots movement where a bunch of kids are suddenly discovering their real selves, you know, and oh, I was born in a, in the wrong body. This is a top-down movement that's making a lot of money. This is big pharmaceutical companies. This is uh, uh, big government organizations. This is the uh, educational industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry, the counseling industry. They are all uh, have been overtaken by heavily funded ideologues mm. who are pushing this on kids. And so in the same way that pharmaceutical companies realized in the 1960s that they could make a ton of money from giving healthy people uh, drugs with things like the birth control pill, uh, that's exactly what's going on today. I mean, if you in the past, you had to actually wait for somebody to get sick before you could treat them. Now, the medical industry actually takes healthy people, prepubescent kids who are perfectly healthy, makes them sick, puts them on this track, so that in many states you actually have to put kids on this track. If they come in wow. and they say, mm -hmm. hey, I think maybe I'm trans, immediately the counseling and medical industries put them on this track where they're getting, uh, again, like I said, puberty blockers. This is the way it goes. Puberty blockers followed by cross-sex hormones. Uh, followed by surgery. And this is a lifetime of medicalization now. 
this is there. They lie to the kids and say, oh, we're just going to pause it. This is all reversible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just kids are just ignorant about this. I, I saw a, a thread the other day where a young girl who had had a double mastectomy was like, when do my boobs grow back? Okay, uh, that they're just completely ignorant about what's going on here. And so they, they're making a ton of money. And these ideologues, frankly, a bunch of very rich, um, as I explained in the movie, a bunch of very rich uh, people who are hoping to implement transhumanism in the world mm. is how this works. They're hoping to live forever by uh, defeating our uh, our natural bodies. <laughs> um, they are making a ton of money off of this and, and kids are getting sucked into this. Uh, so it's not, you know, like parents, it feels, I'm sure it feels to parents like everyone is against you. That is the case, actually. Yeah. Um, the teachers are against you, the doctors, and I mean, not all, of course. Obviously, there's there's good teachers and good doctors. But the industries themselves, that's important to understand. The industries themselves have been overtaken so that if you want to provide traditional counseling, mm-hmm. you know, like good therapy where we talk cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, you can't do that in California right now. Yeah, It's, it's illegal for a therapist to provide a kid who thinks, well, I don't know, maybe I'm trans. That's all you have to do. You have to like just suggest it. It's illegal for the counselor now to do what we would traditionally do and help this kid out of their trauma. Um, so that's what we need to realize. It's, it's, a, it's a top down, very evil uh, movement in society that uh, we need to defend ourselves and fight back against. Yeah. A recent example was the uh, children's hospital in Nashville that, uh, you know, it, it turns out that out of a leak, that they were talking about how lucrative these surgeries were. And, and just like, I think it was just one aspect of the surgery was bringing in thousands and thousands of dollars. And that was only just one part of the whole transition phase. So it's really crazy. But let's fact, let's, uh, let's fact check here. Let's uh, separate fact from fiction. Is it true that these puberty blockers, is it true that they just pause? Because for me, it's hard to believe that you can put a pause on a natural process like puberty and then come back mm-hmm. to it 10 years, 15 years later when you change your mind about it. Because let's be honest, when you're a kid, you have no idea what you're doing. You probably don't have any idea what you're doing or who you're about until you're probably 25 or 30. Let's be honest. Like, can you can <laughs> you a, can you actually Adrian, pause that? <laughs> there's a well. There's a, yeah. There's a reason we don't let kids vote or drink or buy cigarettes, right? Yeah. Or get tattoos. I mean, we the permanent damage. No, you cannot pause puberty. These are these are um, what they <laughs> these are chemical castration drugs that we are giving to kids that have actually been outlawed. We used to give them to sex offenders, but they were outlawed because the side effects were so severe. You sometimes give them to women, but only for a short time um, if there's some sort of uh, issue that they have, like a cancerous issue. Yet we're giving them to kids. These are realized. These have never been approved by the FDA for any of this. This is all um, off-label use of these drugs. So, no, you can't reverse it. Not only can you not reverse it, you are almost immediately doing irreparable harm to your body and the rest of you uh, when you go on these synthetic hormones. That's just a fact. You've got you've got people now you're 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 generally sterilized if you go on them long enough. Um, You can't have. Um, sexual satisfaction many times your your uh, genitals are deformed uh, and useless um, after a short amount of time no these are very very dangerous drugs that should not be anywhere near kids I mean they shouldn't be near anyone frankly but certainly shouldn't be near kids 
Don, you know, it was really interesting. I was watching the documentary, and, you know, the DSM, you mentioned that the, the or you didn't mention, but in the documentary, the it mentioned that the DSM still categorizes transgenderism as a mental illness. Yet, at the same time, the culture is saying it's not a pathology. They're born this way. This is natural. Uh, could you explain this relationship between the DSM and everyone and the culture saying it's not a pathology? Yeah, I mean, it is a psychological condition. We've always known that. It's like anorexia. You show up at the doctor and say that, hey, I think I'm fat. The doctor's not going to say, if you are in fact thin, he's not going to say, hey, let's do some liposuction and uh, fix your body to match your mind. Yet with transgenderism, I use that term in, in quotes, uh, we know it's a psychological condition, but we had to depathologize it somehow for cultural acceptance. Hmm. So they changed the name of it to gender dysphoria, but they still wanted to charge insurance companies. People still want to make money off of this. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's just a natural condition, why do we need to go to the doctor and all this stuff? Like, why are we doing surgeries on this? It's just a naturally occurring condition in, in, the, in the world. It isn't. It's obviously a psychological condition, but they had to confuse everybody by changing the name and keep and so they can keep charging. So it is. It's like Dr. Lappert in the film does this uh, a nice explanation of this. They want to keep charging insurance companies, but they don't want it to sound like a pathology. So they change the name, and now they call it gender dysphoria. And now even they're changing the name. That still sounds too bad. The latest DSM I think has changed it to uh, you know some sort of gender identity thing. But uh, realize that this is all smokescreen. Everybody understands that it's a psychological condition, but they want to make money off of it and treat it without calling it a pathology. And so we really need to think think more clearly about this. Uh, Don, you know, like, is there any way that we could turn this around? You know, it's it's just so uh, at this point, it's so saturated, right? We're we're fighting uphill, basically, with all of these different organizations from schools to hospitals to the, the therapists. I mean, uh, the kids are exposed to all of these different ideologies from social media. I mean, what can we do to turn this around to turn the tide? Well, I think first you got to properly understand what the issue is, and that's why I hope people watch the movie because we do get into like the uh, philosophical, spiritual, intellectual issues behind it. Like this mm -hmm. is a this is a battle for what it means to be a human being. Understanding that and what kind of war it is is the first step, and then we have to be able to to stand up and be vocal about this. Um, there are groups, you know, a wide <laughs> variety of groups that are coming, but it's very hard to find support. Because people don't want to, yeah, I don't want to share, you know, I don't want to stand up even posting something on Facebook. No, you know, I think I have a trans friend and that would be offensive. Listen, this is doing irreparable harm. This is an anti-human, anti-person. I'll call it satanic. I, I don't pull back. Yeah, this is an evil satanic movement that is destroying families, destroying people, separating parents from their kids, destroying kids. We have to have the courage to stand up, even in our own little small social group, mm -hmm. and say enough enough. This is wrong. I'm not going to let this continue. So even like you will find if somebody just stands up, it's like any movement in history. You just need a few people to stand up yeah. and say, because there's a lot of people thinking it, but they're scared. You know, it's they're interesting. They don't be... it, that's exactly true. I was when I was at U of H on Tuesday, we had a couple of people who were employees at U of H come up to us and it was like, oh, thank you so much for being out here. And we handed them a flyer of 10 reasons why transgenderism is har harmful to the family. 
and he takes it. He takes a picture of it. He goes, can I just take a picture of this? I can't be seen carrying this around. And there are people kept on coming up mm-hmm. to us saying, hey, I'm supportive, but I can't take a flyer because I'm scared that people are going to retaliate against me. So many people are afraid of this movement. It's incredibly tyrannical. But, yes, like you're saying, there's so many people, the vast majority of people support this movement. And they are against the transgender movement. They support being against the transgender movement. They're just afraid because the culture silos people, which is why I think this uh, documentary is so important. We have about a minute and a half left in our conversation, about two minutes left in our conversation. Don Johnson, uh, why? who is the target audience for your documentary? What are you trying to get out? What is this message? Um, and how can people connect with you? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, parents. I know parents are feeling overwhelmed. Pastors are feeling overwhelmed by this. They don't know. Uh, you know, everyone. I would say everyone. Uh, that every filmmaker says that. But uh, actually, we showed it to junior hires. We showed it to. I had a bunch of high school kids watch it the other day. They were all transfixed. They're all under. You know, entertained too. Frankly, it's it's an emotional film. Yeah. It tells a story. You meet you meet a girl named Daisy, and you will be crying by the end of this movie. Um, for for joy and pain. Okay, so everybody needs to watch it. Uh, particularly parents and those in, in some sort of leadership position. But listen, be confident. Reach out to me. There's a lot of groups rising up. Uh, DonJohnsonMedia.com. Send me an email. We will send you some resources. Go to Advocates Protecting Children. Um, but you're absolutely right. Don't be afraid of this. This is a top-down thing. There's very few people that actually believe this stuff. Okay. There is a lot of people sucked into the trans industrial complex that want to keep their jobs, want to keep, you know, don't want to get offended by or don't want to offend anybody. But we, this is evil. It's tyrannical. You're exactly right. That's the right word. It's tyrannical. It's top down. Um, but the kids are being, their lives are being destroyed. When we look back on this in hopefully very few years, but certainly like in 50 years, we're going to look back on this like we looked at lobotomies. Yeah. We're going to be, so what the heck were we doing right there? This was insanity. We're living in an insane time and we have to stand up, show people the movie, buy a gift, buy the movie for a friend, send it to them, send them the link. Uh, because we've got to get the word out on this. Amen, brother. Thank you so much for getting up early, uh, Pacific Standard Time, joining us on Catholic Drive Time. And uh, make sure to check out donjohnsonmedia.com to check out that disconnected documentary. And stay in touch with Don. Thank you so much, Don, and uh, God bless you and Mary keep you. Don't go away. After this short network break, we're going to have the the scriptures for this weekend. And uh, what do they mean? It's going to be on Catholic Drive Time in just a few minutes. Thank you. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. 
Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to the church down the street. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, my name is John Henry from St. John Vianney Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Fantastic, fantastic conversation there. Go to uh, donjohnsonmedia.com if you want to check out that documentary called Disconnected. Last hour we had a conversation, just in case you missed it, on the, the industrial complex behind the transgender movement, the so-called transgender movement, and Don was an excellent guest. Be sure to subscribe to uh, Catholic Drive Home on YouTube if you want to get a rerun of uh, what we talked about. You can also go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and uh, you can get all of the different episodes we've done this week, as well as sign up for our mailing list. Uh, tomorrow is the day that we're going to send out another email. And uh, we like to do a little recap of the week and uh, provide a little bit of entertainment for you for the weekend. So make sure to sign up for that at uh, grnonline forward slash cdt. But uh, here we are, boys. Uh, good morning to you. Good Mr. morning. Fonseca and Mr. Uh, Jesus Robles. Man, it's phenomenal. It's uh, it's great. I love that interview. Those those, those questions were, were really cool. And, of course, uh, we were talking right off the air about inoculation. You got to watch these films and get yourself prepared to have those arguments at, yeah. at the point when your mm-hmm. kids come up to you and they mm-hmm. ask you, you know, what is what is going on? That way you're not caught, like, all blindsided, you know, Amen. by the culture. And so. we were talking uh, off the air before mm-hmm. uh, before we started the second, uh, the top of this hour, and we're saying how, like, if you have kids who go to a public school, if you have kids who have cell phones, if you have kids who have social media, then they are already being exposed to this, even if you don't know. They're already being exposed to this. Uh, Jesus, you were mm-hmm. saying that yeah, your yeah. daughter, they watch CNN for teens at yeah. school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's crazy to me. So, yeah, if your kids are at school, they're already exposed to these transgender ideologies. For sure. I highly recommend watching the movie by Don Johnson. Uh, if we, we post it in all of our social media feeds if you wanted to see it there. And uh, just go to donjohnsonmedia.com. And if you uh, watch that film, watch What is a Woman by Matt Walsh and watch it with your kids. It may not seem like it's age appropriate because it's not age appropriate, but unfortunately, they're already being exposed to these things. So it's a necessity to be inoculated against yeah. this movement. Oh, Amen, yeah, man, for sure. You know, and, you know, as a father, Jesus, you're a father as well. 
you know, you try your best and you, you want to you wanna keep this stuff away from your kids because it really is scandalous to them. And, uh, you know, I think about all these, these different things where I'm like, ah, do I want to talk about this particular thing? Well, the reality is that if you're out on the road these days, you're going to see the flags. Your mm-hmm. kids are going to ask about the rainbow flag. They're going to ask about all of these different people. They're going to run into people who, who uh, are, are confused about their gender. And what's what's going to happen then? It might be a little bit too late, right? So start the conversation with them. Go to uh, donjohnsonmedia.com and check out that documentary, Disconnected. Yes, right. You know, I'm sometimes I'm confused, Rudy. Good morning. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. My name is Policicho. For those of you that are just connecting, my fans, thank you for watching. Yeah. Confused? What do you mean? Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm a real person, and then sometimes I feel like I'm a puppet oh. from the pulpit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, you know, and then I have to realize that I have a hand behind me, giving well, me a hand here, talking to me, making me speak. Yeah, you have a soul. You know that, right? I, I, I do. It's right on my shoe right here. Look, see? Uh, <laughs> I actually have two souls. That's why I don't know what to do. See? Oh, two man. souls. Help me, Rudy. It's like a Help brand me. new heresy here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for the game show. So I'm going to stick around right here, sit down, and just Amen. be calm. Yeah. yeah, the game show's coming up at uh, at uh, 15 past the hour here. But in just a few minutes, we're going to have our friend Hector Molina call in and we're going to crack open the scriptures this weekend, you know. Uh a lot of people a lot of people take away a lot from the uh from the the gospel when they go to mass, you know. The the scriptural readings are really important to people. And uh, a lot of the times we don't actually go and and discover what the scriptures are actually about. So Hector Molina is going to join us in just a few minutes. But, you know, and uh, if he doesn't connect, Rudy, you can interview me. You know, I have all oh, kinds of an- I have all kinds hey, of thanks. answers to everything. You know, I can speak about anything. I'm just so gifted. You know, I'm, I a, I'm a talent. That, I'm a radio Policicho. talent. You know, Officer Policicho yeah. is a uh, is a savant on all topics. Uh, well, uh, uh, who? Policicho. He's a, Wait, but who? Uh, who? Officer Policicho. Is a savant? Is a savant? What, what, oh, an expert on everything? I gotta write that word down, Adrian. Savant? You know, I've always said you're so wise. <laughs> you're so just, just wise. Yeah. Well, I received the training from Joe McLean. You know, he taught me how to speak on the mic and just how to say hi and just make people laugh and people laugh at me. Anyways, I'm gonna sit down. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to God. We have uh, Policicho here in the studio. If you're on our live video feeds, which you can join right now, because after uh, Catholic Drive Time is finished on the air, you can join us on our social media feeds and uh, join us for the after show, which is fantastic. Uh, you can join via YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble. We stream to all kinds of different streaming platforms, and you can join us and interact with us live uh, during the after show. But uh, make sure to check out CDT uh, on our website. Go to uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Sign up for that mailing list. And uh, can I ask for a favor as well? Look, I've never asked you for a favor before, and I really need a solid. Can you go on to the iTunes store and look up under the podcast? Catholic Drive Time, and leave us a five-star review. You could write whatever you want in the text body. You can criticize us. You can say, oh, these guys are horrendous. I don't like them very much. Uh, But leave us a five-star review because what that does is it sets the algorithm up to provide our podcast for all of the different people who might be interested in Catholic uh, Catholic politics, uh, Catholic uh, uh, podcasts, all kinds of different things, so you can join us there as well. Uh, but do make sure to leave us a five-star review. And joining us right now via phone is our good friend Hector Molina. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on this morning and uh, to talk about the upcoming scriptures for this Sunday. What are we looking at? We are looking at another one of Jesus' iconic parables. 
as I've mentioned to you, Jesus is on his way to the holy city of Jerusalem. He is on his final pilgrimage. And this pilgrimage entails really a lot of ministry. The Lord continues to preach parables and discourses and exhortations. He continues to perform signs and wonders. And here we have a continuation of our gospel passage from last week. He delivered the parable of the unjust judge and Mm. the persistent widow. And now he follows up with another parable on that very subject of prayer. In the first case, he was really highlighting the importance of persevering or persistence in prayer. Mm -hmm. And in this Sunday's gospel, he continues with a parable regarding a Pharisee and a tax collector. And as he did last week, as I noted, he, this is Luke now, he prefaces the parable by giving us really the thrust and the point of the parable. He states in verse 9 of chapter 18, he, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And so the point of this Sunday's parable really is to, to teach the power of humble prayer, as is highlighted by the example of the tax collector, mm-hmm. in contrast with the prideful or presumptuous prayer uttered by the Pharisee. Now, one of the things that I point out in my Bible study this week, in my podcast episode, is the fact that, you know, we in the 21st century have the benefit of hindsight. And when we read this gospel passage, we read it in light of what we know about Jesus and his attitude towards many of the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. So we're reading this parable saying, okay, he's the bad guy. But what I would challenge your listeners to do this Sunday is really to try to put themselves in the first century sandals of Jesus's audience, because when he mentioned Pharisee and then mentions tax collector in their minds, Oh, the Pharisee is the hero because the Pharisees were very well regarded. They were highly respected Hmm. back in the first century. These were the paragons of virtue. These were the exemplars. Essentially they were the God squad And everyone revered them because they not only observed the Mosaic law, but they went well above and beyond it. And so this is reflected in the passage in the prayer of the Pharisee who says that he he fasts twice a week, whereas Jews and most Pharisees only fasted on the Feast of Yom Kippur one time a year. But yet this Pharisee, I mean, he was really serious about living out the faith, he fasted twice a week, and he went above and beyond the required tithe. So -hmm. this was a holy roller (laughs) that the people (laughs) listening to the parable were saying, wait a minute, okay, this is the righteous one. And then the punchline comes when Jesus ultimately points out the reversal, that it's not the beloved Pharisee who leaves justified, but rather it's the despised tax collector. And when you read the, the parable, it's a very short parable, you see the contrast. You see the, the pomposity of the Pharisee who stands uh, at attention and seeks to draw attention to himself. It says that he prayed to himself. Mm. And there are a lot of commentators who seize on that and saying, wait a minute, shouldn't he be praying to God? But no, he, he has this internal 
monologue where he checks off and ticks off all of the wonderful things that he does. In the prayer, he only thanks God that he's not like these notorious sinners. Mm. He doesn't praise God. He doesn't worship God. He doesn't ask God for anything. You know why? Because he believed he had everything. He believed he had accomplished his own righteousness. And then you have the poor tax collector who was beating on his breast, simply praying to God to have mercy on him. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes towards heaven because of the, the dread and the shame associated with the sin that he no doubt had committed. But he leaves justified. And so what I would say is I think there's a danger whenever we read this parable because many of us are tempted to utter, oh, thank God I'm not like that Pharisee. <laughs> and essentially we fall into the same trap. Yeah, that that's so did. true. Because I got to tell you, there, there's a Pharisee in all of us. Mm-hmm. And I'll be the first to admit that there's always a temptation to want to exalt ourselves at the expense of others and to put others down. And many make the mistake of thinking, well, he definitely meant this parable for the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would differ on that. I, this was meant not just for the Pharisees, but for his own disciples. I mean, when you consider James and John, who are vying and jockeying for positions of what? Of power. Yeah. You know, they wanted to be regarded as the best. They were the ones that judged the Samaritans wanting to call down fire from heaven. So the disciples themselves they also faced that temptation to spiritual pride because they were part of the in crowd. And I think many of us who are Christians, who are believers, can also succumb to that temptation of thinking, oh, well, we're better than those atheists or those non-believers or those heathens. And we fall into the trap of trying to put them down and exalt ourselves. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The key to prayer is humility. The prayer of the humble pierces through the heavens is what the first reading from Sirach declares. And so I think that this passage will lead us hopefully to some soul searching because we have to contend with the inner Pharisee in us, which always seeks to exalt him or herself. Amen, brother. You know, that reminds me of Psalm 51, you know, uh, God, God does not despise a broken and contrite heart. You know, he does not despise that. And uh, wow, it's uh, it blows my mind. You know, I never considered uh, the the fact that uh, when you, we we kind of fall into the same sin of pride. There, we say, oh, I, I'm glad I'm not like that Pharisee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh no, a, we do, we do. Yeah, it happens often. The Pharisee is me, and this is uh, something that, if we're open to it, I think should really convict each and every one of us. Uh, I mean, you can't uh, really the the whole notion of social media and our engagement. It is really a, a cacophony of self-congratulation, mm. of us exalting ourselves, of us putting forth our best uh, face towards the world so that they can see just how good I am, how benevolent I am, how loved I am. And it can really have a deleterious effect on our personality and in our perception of reality. And we have to be very, very careful to be, to be humble and to acknowledge that we're not perfect, that we're far from it, that we're in need of God's grace, and that we should have the humility to beg the Lord his mercy and to recognize that we desperately need from him that which we cannot conjure up and develop and create for ourselves. 
Amen. So let's avoid the pitfall of Phariseeism and let's embrace humility. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Hector Molina, for joining us this morning, cracking open those scriptures for this weekend. Make sure to check out his website, HectorMolina.com. Listen to his podcast. That's HectorMolina.com. But right after this break, we're going to have our game show, Fear and Trembling, where you could win a prize. Tomorrow we're going to be drawing that prize. So go ahead and call in right now, 1-877-757-9424. Don't go away. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. That's right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. My name is not Joe McClain. I am his replacement officially. And I'm here hosting the Catholic Game Show. So everybody that is watching on social media, my best greetings to you. My name is Polichicho. Yeah, the superstar. I am the ratings man. And I am here today to do this Catholic Game Show. I fear and trembling. So at this point, I'm going to ask you to call our phone lines. What are the phone lines 
It's one 757 9424 This is the moment to call, and yes, you can win. Tomorrow we're going to pull out the winner uh, from this uh, coffee cup of divine providence that I got right here. Check it out. If you're on social media, you're watching this coffee cup of divine providence. We the got one, the names. The only. Coffee cup of divine providence. And you can win some awesome prizes. But you got to call right now wherever you are. If you are in the Northeast, this is your moment to shine. Northeast, Presenting right now at one eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. If you're in the southern area of the United States, if you're in Texas, if you're in Alabama, anywhere in the South, you can also call one eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. You got it? One eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four and participate in this game show now it's really cool because we're not gonna ask you the question you don't have to know the answer you don't know don't don't feel like oh i gotta know the answer. no you don't i'm gonna ask rudy i'm gonna ask adrian and what you have to do is kind of discern which one is the sneakiest one which one is the one that it's not telling me the correct answer and you pick and, 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 you know, you can get your name into the cop of divine providence just by picking, uh, the right answer from Rudy or Adrian. And we have prizes. Rudy, what are the prizes this morning? Praise be to God. This week we have yet another beautiful rosary. If you're tuning in to us via our live social media feeds, which I encourage you to do, uh, you can see it in my hand right here. Beautiful. It looks like marble. And uh, the centerpiece here is uh, uh, the Virgin of Our, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So it's a wonderful centerpiece, a beautiful corpus, and we're giving away yet another one of these wonderful handmade rosaries. And I dare say, this rosary, it's heirloom quality. So thank you so much, Luhan family, for providing us a gift to give away to our, our wonderful listeners this weekend. Tomorrow we're going to be drawing the prize, so make sure to call in right now. But I think we got somebody on the line right now, right? That's right. We got a person on the line. Now let me ask you, Rudy, is it Luhan or is it Luan like like an Asian last name? What is that? Is it, uh, is it Luhan? I have no idea. Huh. It could be Luhan. It could be Luan. Hmm. I'm going to say Luhan. 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 Yeah. Luhan family. Thank I you like so the much. rosary. It looks like baseballs. Yeah, the little, the, yeah, like baseball. the little baseballs. <laughs> All right. I think we got my friend Joel. Joel is one of my biggest fans. Hi, Joel. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's well, uh, and Ariana from Comfort, Texas. Oh, Comfort, Texas. Comfort. And I'm sure you're so comfortable this morning listening to the Catholic Game Show. Yeah. Yes, sir. Every morning. Now let hey, me ask you. Let me ask you, my friend Joel. Do you do you know the the game? How is it played and everything? Oh yes, we, we listen to it every every morning on our way to school. Thank you, thank you so much. I know you're one of my biggest fans in the entire world. I know you follow me on social media <laughs> and everywhere. Boy, Chicho has social media. I have social media. I'm I'm, I'm with the change, Adrian. I'm with the oh, change. Wow. What's yeah. your Twitter handle? What? You treated me good. Well, no, I'm not that advanced. But, uh, but Joel, thank you so much for calling. So, well, let's let's get started. Well, who do you think is more sneaky? Is it Adrian or is it, you know, I don't know, Rudy? Who is it? I, I think it just depends on the weather. We we talked about it. <laughs> sure. Well, you got you got to be cautious today because Rudy's got a tie on. He looks like an attorney. And you know how liars are? I mean, lawyers are? Hey, well, he, look, he looks like a lawyer, like a liar this morning. I don't know. And he's got a little bit more of jail today than, than before. He's got a lot of jail in his hair. Oh, look at him. Uh, it's kind of shiny. I have my two 
with me that attend uh, Notre Dame Catholic School in uh, in Kerrville, Texas. So that they're they're ready to rock and roll. Awesome, yeah. awesome, Very good. Way to go. Okay, so let's get started with this game, the Catholic game show. Yeah, fear and trembling. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy. We're gonna go with Rudy first, as his tradition. It's approved by the Pope, a Pope uh, approved by the Vatican Council, and Which everybody Pope? and their grandmas. Yeah, Pope Francis. <laughs> yeah, and then everybody and their grandmas. Everybody's approving of this. Very so, good. Yeah. So today, the first question. That's going to go to my friend, Rudy Carlos. Thank you, Polichi. Who's very sneaky. I mean, sneaky. Here, here we go. What Pope convened the Second Vatican Council? Huh. Which Pope convened? So started because it was ended by a different Pope, right? So that's going to be Pope John the 23rd. Pope John the Trinitrd. Hmm. Pope John the Trinitrd. I don't know that one, but it's okay. Pope John the Trinitrd. So yep. now, hmm. Let's go to Adrian, yeah, the wise one, the man with all the wisdom, yeah, the knowledge in, in the studio here, but he's a little disconnected today. Let me see, Adrian, what Pope convened the Second Vatican Council? The Second Vatican Council? Well, that was that was uh, convened by St. Peter II, right? St. Peter II? St. Peter II? Yeah, the second, you know, huh. Huh. The, the greatest of all popes convened the greatest of all councils. Huh. St. Hmm. Peter II. I don't know. I don't know any of these names. I'm so like old and like 90 years old. I'm Holy Chicho, old. are you even Catholic? I'm Catholic. It's just uh, okay. So uh, let's see. What do you say? What do you say, my friend? Who? With Rudy? Are you sure about that, Rudy? Yeah. Rudy. Let's go with the first answer. The first answer that would be that would be yeah, Rudy. 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 Are you yeah, sure? Yeah. Oh, let's go. There is no St. Peter the Second. There's no <laughs> not yet. Oh. Not yet. One day. One day. You almost had there's me sneaking. You no, almost had me there's sneaking. There's no such thing as Pope Peter the Second. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. All right. I'm recovering from this one. I'm sorry. I'm like 80 years old, like Joe. But let's let's go to the second question, my friend Joel from Comfort, Texas. What color is the beretta that a priest wears? What color is the beretta yeah. that a priest wears? What color is it? Yeah, that would be black. You see him wearing the, the hmm. funny hat when he's preaching or when he's hmm. coming into the church. That's called a beretta. It's black. I've seen like purple ones too and red ones uh, and yeah. all kinds of no. colors. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay, black one. Yeah. Okay. All right, Adrian, is that, is that what you're going to go with? I'm yeah. going to go with black. All right, let's see, Rudy. Sneaky Rudy over here. What's, <laughs> what's going on, Rudy? Tell me. What color is the beretta? That a, pure, a priest wears. This is obviously a trick question. Hmm. Priests don't wear berettas, hmm. but uh, when they do wear a hat, they call they call that a saturno. A who? A saturno, and that happens to be depending on the whatever the the weather is. So a saturno. Sometimes it's if it's hot, it's like a safari colored khaki. Uh. But uh, anyway, it's a trick oh. question. Priests don't wear berettas. I'm so confused here with this Eterno, but well, let's go back to my friend Joel, see if he can detect who is the sneakiest one in here in the room. What color is the beretta that the priest wears, Joel, in Comfort, Texas? Please comfort me with a good answer. Please tell me who said the right answer. Black. Black? Hmm. Yeah. So wise. Way to go! Wow. I heard I heard a really smart person in the back seat over there. A really brilliant, oh, wise, beautiful person in the back seat. Yeah, over there. my little friend right there. It's my friend. Yeah. What is his name? You're in the fifth grader with us. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Oh well, uh, this fifth grader is pretty darn smart. I'm telling you. 
So, so what, what is the name of this beautiful little angel? We have uh, Esmeralda Prado and uh, Ariana Prado. Ariana Esmeralda! This is Politicho! Lots and lots of hugs to you. And let's go to the last question right here. I think you're, you're in the, the Divine Cup of Divine Providence twice already. It's too much. So let's go to the third question. It's the hardest question of them all. It says, the marriage of one woman to two or more men simultaneously is called what? Let's go to Sneaky Adrian or Snakey Adrian. Well, uh, Rudy, let's go to Sneaky Rudy. Go, go ahead. Well, I personally call that an hmm. abomination, but the correct term is an organization. <laughs> an organization? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The marriage of one woman to two or more men simultaneously is called what? Adrian von Schicken. Yes. Oh, that's called polyandry. Poly who? Polyandry. I yeah, polyandry sounds like, like washing my laundry. Mm -hmm. Like Polly's washing my laundry. Yeah. Mm. Polyandry. <laughs> well, you know, you know, my friend uh, Joel, how Adrian creates all kinds of words and terms here. He does have a doctorate in wordiology. So, um, okay, so let's go, my friend Joel in Comfort, Texas. I am so stressed. Comfort me with a good answer, Joel. Do it. Who's got Number the right answer? What was that? Number two. Number, Number two. two. Number two. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Wow, your, your, your daughters are, like, brilliant, very smart, a clearly very beautiful women to be able to be going with Adrian. I, 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 I just, yeah. You become smarter when you say. I, I, I agree with right. you. I do agree mm -hmm. with you, uh, Adrian. And congratulations to my friend Joel and his beautiful little angels that are with him. They're my friends, number one fans of Polichicho. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so, so educated and they're so beautiful. Polichicho only has beautiful friends. So, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so Joel, what, yeah. do, what do you do before you drop off your kids to school? You know, we actually uh, we feed the animals down here. Uh, they have a you know a couple of donkeys, uh, some ducks, oh, chickens. Oh, wow. you know? oh, 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 oh. <laughs> exactly. Every morning, that's our alarm clock. Oh. <laughs> I have they live next door to me, so I, I meet them outside at seven fourteen, and we're on the road seven fifteen. And we listen to y'all every morning. What Praise you God. God. Thank you very much. You are so cool, Joel. Your, your daughters, lots of kisses and hugs to them from Polichicho and Catholic Drug Time. Thank you very much. Thank take, you. Take it, that's that's going to be the uh, the end of our show this morning. But if you want to tune in to our social media feeds and join us for the after show, be sure to go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And you're going to see all of the different platforms that we stream to. So you can join us live, interact with us right now, right after this short break. And we just want to say thank you so much for listening this morning. God bless you and Mary keep you. Until tomorrow, see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Paul of the Cross. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. From all that dwell below the skies, let the Creator's praise arise. Let the Redeemer's name be sung. Through every land, by every tongue. Eternal are your mercies, Lord. Eternal truth attends your word. Your praise shall sound from shore to shore. Till sun shall rise and set no more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God, and to you, you my brothers and sisters, sisters that I have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May the priest St. Paul, whose only love was the cross, Obtain for us your grace, O Lord, so that, urged on more strongly by his example, we may each embrace our own cross with courage. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you, in accord with the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner self, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones what is the breadth and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to accomplish far more than all we ask or imagine by the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Exalt you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With a ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. For upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves, loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. But the plan of the Lord stands forever, the design of his heart through all generations. Blessed the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. But see, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. I consider all things so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the, fire, the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. A father will be divided against his son and a son against his father, a mother against her daughter and a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's Liturgy of the Word speaks to us something about the family, about God's family and, of course, about our human family as well. In the first reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, when St. Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, it really reminds us that the, the primacy and the origin of family and relationship and communion really is to be found first in God. And while it's true that for we human beings we come to know a family through our biological family which we are born into, that is our first concept and introduction into the notion of family, but St. Paul reminds us that really the origin of family is precisely to be found in God. 
And to that extent, then, it's no surprise that in today's gospel, Jesus also points out that because the primacy of relationship and the origin of family really belongs to God, therefore our relationship with him is also meant to take primacy, even if it is at the expense of relationships within the human family, as painful and difficult as that often is to encounter. And that primacy that we have in our relationship with God is always something which we are called to bear in mind and keep at the forefront. I suppose the good news in that equation is that really God reveals to us that at the heart of his family is communion, love, and truth, which really are uh, principles to live on to bind people together. Unfortunately, when it happens that people reject his communion and his love, well, this is where the fire comes in, or this is where the division can come in. It's interesting, this past summer I was visiting in Prague in the Czech Republic and was kind of going over a little bit of the history of Catholicism in the nation. And quite strikingly there, this gospel really was played out absolutely perfectly. The Slavic lands were evangelized by St. Cyril and Methodius in the ninth century. And one of the early converts was St. Ludmilla, who was the queen and her husband, who was the king. And St. Ludmilla was ultimately given control over her grandson, St. Wenceslaus, who she raised to be a Christian, even against the wishes of Wenceslaus' mother. Uh, the father had died, and that is where the grandmother had stepped in. And so Ludmilla's daughter-in-law, Dragomira, actually had her killed. And she was martyred at the hands of her daughter-in-law. And then some ten years later, St. Wenceslaus was actually martyred at the hands of his brother, Boleslaus. And so you literally had in the same family, daughter-in-law killing mother-in-law, and then brother killing brother, all on account of either accepting the gospel or rejecting the gospel. In some ways, in the midst of this fire, uh, the flame of Christianity was continued in those lands, and in fact, this was very present at the very beginning of it. And so this gospel that Jesus points out to us today, while it provides a very strong uh, language which can be upsetting, the fact of the matter is, um, sometimes in history it has played out exactly that way, and it really provides for us a striking reminder that uh, Jesus really means it, that our relationship with him, our relationship with the Father, uh, should come first. And this is what we give the primacy of life to. And of course, we pray that within families there is that very same peace and communion and love of the Most Holy Trinity present at the heart of the family. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always live to its fullest, the first commandment, to love God with our whole heart, with our whole soul, to give him the primacy of place in our life. And let us pray for all families that the love and communion of the Most Holy Trinity would always be at the center of their life, that the family life too then would become a place, an oasis of peace, an oasis of communion and joy. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. 
for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For government leaders, that they would enact just laws that always safeguard and protect the dignity of human life at every phase, and laws which don't transgress the natural law, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our family, friends, benefactors, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace to always give primacy to our relationship with God in our life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For families, that the love and communion of the Most Holy Trinity would be present in their lives, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. God, whose purpose is to kindle, now ignite us with your fire. While the earth awaits your burning, with your passion us inspire. Overcome our sinful calmness, stir us with your saving name. Baptize with your fiery spirit, crown our lives with tongues of flame. God, who in your holy gospel wills that all should truly live, make us sense our share of failure, our tranquility forgive. Teach us courage as we struggle in all liberating strife. Lift the smallness of our vision by your own abundant life. God, who still a sword delivers rather than a placid peace, with your sharpened word disturb us from complacency release. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Look upon the sacrificial gifts we offer, Almighty God in commemoration of St. Paul of the Cross, and grant that we who celebrate the mysteries of the Lord's Passion may imitate what we now enact through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. 
our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for as on the festival of St. Paul of the Cross, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her, by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncele et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. 
May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Paul of the Cross and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassionate, merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, Audemus indicere, Pater noster, vies in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, we tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, 
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us your humble dwelling, all your faithful mercies crown. Jesus, source of all compassion, love unbounded, love all pure, visit us with your salvation. Let your love in us endure. Come, Almighty, to deliver. Let us all your life receive. Suddenly return and never, never more your temples leave. Lord, we would be always blessing, serve you as your hosts above. Pray and praise you without ceasing, glory in your precious love. Let us pray. O God, who in St. Paul have wonderfully made known the mystery of the cross, graciously grant that, drawing strength from this sacrifice, we may cling faithfully to Christ and labor in the church for the salvation of all, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, 
and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of death. Amen. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. listening to KSHJ 